Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're continuing our first look journey for the player cards in the Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. I think I'm getting worse at saying edge of the earth investigator expansion yeah it's not getting easier it's getting harder this is like it's it everything's okay in the first looks right because our brains have started to disintegrate by this point we're we're, yeah we're past past the five faction point (laughs) yeah so like this is this we're down in depths no one's ever plumbed before in first looks it's wow it's like depths of lot yoth right we've passed depth five no one knows that's right yeah 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 oh anyway how are you doing uh, yeah, good. Much better than last week. I'm glad to I'm hear it. Very excited for this because we, we're starting to get now into the uncharted territory of, as, as I alluded to in the intro there, as the uncharted territory of first looks. And we've done mm. a lot of thinking about how we're going to do first looks. Although actually, we've kind of ended up just with what you suggested. <laughs> you came up with an idea for how we did it, and it sounds really good. So it's what we're going ahead with. Yeah. So well, can, thank I, can, you. I, can I tell everyone what we're doing today? Yeah, please do, yeah. Brilliant. Right, well, so it might be a bit of a, a slightly shorter episode than the other ones today, um, but it's going to be all the more fun because of that. We're looking at the level zero multi-class cards, and then we're going to take a quick jaunt through the new weaknesses that have come in the set as well. Mm, exciting. Yeah, this is this is good fun. It's been the first time, this was the this is the first time in quite a while we've been looking at multi-class cards. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hyped. We had Maxine on at the end of Innsmouth. She mentioned, you know, Edge of the Earth will have multi-class again. And she said to us, multi-class in TCU was very much the idea was the multi-class cards split into both of the respective factions when they upgraded. And they had slightly different abilities. She said, but that was specific to multi-class then. And we shouldn't expect multi-class to be like that anymore. That the guiding principle she said was that the card needs to feel like it completely belongs in both of its multi-class factions. Yes. And I think that's a really fascinating thing to then wrap your head around. Well, How yeah. is this card both wholly faction A and also faction B? Yes. And how does it find a home? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, let's dive in then. Let's do it. You, you go first. First, we have a two-cost asset, Medical Student. Willpower Icon, this is a Guardian and Seeker multi-class card. Ally, Miskatonic, and Science traded. Reaction after medical student enters play, heal one damage and one horror from an investigator or ally asset at your location. Can I get course credit for this? Ally slot and takes one damage and one horror. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I think this is quite tasty actually. Mm-hmm. Once again, uh, we've been talking about him a lot, but <laughs> Yorick is, is a nice pick for the medical student, I think. Keep pulling your medical student back in. Yeah, yeah, because she's both disposable and has a nice uh, comes into play ability, which mm. works quite well for Yorick. But I think just more broadly, it's a little bit of healing in Seeker, which is nice, mm. uh, and mm. in you know Guardian, which is in Guardian, which is fine. Two costs for a one and one seems like is is pretty good. I just think it's it's a nice solid card, really. Mm. I like that it can heal. Any investigator or any ally as well. Mm-hmm. So if you've maybe playing a guardian thing, you're maybe running charisma and you want to heal allies that use their health and sanity to do things. 
this helps you with that. But also if you're running a sort of academic army style in Seeker, you can play this down and heal another, you know, maybe heal your Malison and Malison can then soak some more for you as you're using Malison or heal Wit and Green, something like that. So I like that there's sort of different applications there, but also you could heal, I don't know, like Lola Santiago or Delilah if you needed to. You you know, any of any ally that can take both damage and horror, yeah. being able to heal them back up again so they can take more, I just think it's really cool. Yeah. It is Miskatonic traded, so Miskatonic archaeology funding will give you slots for this for the cost of 4 XP if you're feeling like it's too much of an ask to have it in your ally slot. I do like the trait science. Mm, science. Yeah. What do you science. do? Science. Uh, do we have any other science stuff? I feel First like aid. The... Ah, is that science? Yeah, is pretty sure. solution science as well, by any chance? That feels quite science-y. Acidic, the strange solution. Strange yeah, solution, quite yeah. possibly. There are a few other science cards as well. Isn't Dream Enhancing Serum science? Oh, that's a good shout. Could be. I wonder what they're going to see. So Kate would be the obvious uh, science-y investigator, yeah. wouldn't she? And we haven't seen her yet. Yeah. So potentially. Mm, little I feel little like, hint. Well, who knows, right? Um, though the, the cards don't often interact that specifically with traits, I feel like. They might mm. come in in deck building, but it feels more like it's broader brush like items with Bob or allies. Mm. Mm-hmm. So who knows, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Other shout out maybe is for Leo. Yeah. Particularly if you have Mitch down, this is just slotting in. And because it can heal other allies, he will have allies. So he can heal himself or other allies. And then you're paying what one resource, no action, to get a heal two for one of your more important allies. And then this soaks the same amount it heals. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, just that nice. Is just nice. Medical I think. student. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, right. I've engineered this so I get to read, I think, one of my favorite I know you cards. have. I know you have. <laughs> okay, next we have the three-cost Guardian and Survivor asset, Sledgehammer. This has a single combat pip, and it has the item, tool, weapon, melee traits. And we know we're in for a good card when we see all those together on one card. <laughs> uh, it has uh, two abilities. It has uh, one, action, fight. You get minus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. And then it has a double action fight. You get plus two combat and deal plus two damage for this attack. 20 pounds of steel vengeance. And it uses both hand slots. We've not talked about art much in our first looks. Mainly because there's so many cards to look at. Mm -hmm. I think the art on this is really evocative. Yes. That idea of it's it's not in the centre of the art. It's leaning up against the wall. It's almost too big for the frame. I think it's really cool. Yes. So just wanted to acknowledge that. This is maybe one of my favourite, like, kind of flavour mechanic interactions we've seen for a bit. Mm, mm. It, it's got the the double attack action uh, where you get plus two combat and you deal plus two damage. So you've taken the time to properly set up your swing and then yeah. thump. You've done a lot of damage with it. Huge swing, yeah. But the single action fight, you get minus one combat, which indicates if you're rushing and not taking your time to, to set up your <laughs> swings, you're just kind of waving it around. It's doing a lot of damage, but it's much harder to actually hit something with it. Yeah, um, yeah. There's something really appealing about that. Yeah, the sort of controlled swing versus the, the wild swing. I think this is the first time we see an item or an asset that you'd use as an investigator that lowers your stat. Uh, is that right? Oh God, could be. 
you know, we've seen things like flashlight and keyring that lower the shroud. Yeah. <laughs> but actually seeing something that gives us a minus to a stat. The only other thing I can think of is Ikiak. When she collects weaknesses, she gives you minus one willpower and minus one intellect. But that, this is, you know, the fascinating thing about this, I think, is you play Sledgehammer alongside, say, Machete, and it's first line of text. You're like, why would I ever take Sledgehammer? It's a minus one combat rather than a plus one. Yeah, So and it, it uses an extra hand slot. And it uses an extra hand slot. Yes, the damage is unlimited and unconditional, but you really need to be pretty strong if you want to be swinging this um, regularly. Yes. And I was just pausing when I was thinking, I was thinking the minus one means it's actually a two combat swing to the negative. Because if I put down my 45 automatic, I swing, if I'm a five combat investigator, I shoot at a six. Yeah. But if I put down sledgehammer, I'm dropping myself down to a four. Yeah. Which I don't like that at all. That is bad. Who likes to test at four? <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? I, I think I think this is a super cool card. And mm, mm-hmm. that, that minus one stat maybe restricts it to like five or certainly very high stat investigators. Yeah. So we're talking Daniela and Mark. And is that it for five combat? Oh, Tony, but Tony can't take this. Nathaniel. Nathaniel, of course, yeah. Although. Uh, Potentially with Nathaniel, he's got other stuff he wants. He's got his boxing yeah, he's gloves. He's got the boxing gloves. And he wants yeah. to use um, fight events rather than fight. Maybe he's fight taken tools. off the gloves and he's gone and fetched his sledgehammer. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there is that. Yeah, oh, man, it's. It, I think it's a really like chewy decision what you do. So if you've got, if you've got a one health enemy, you <laughs> yeah. probably just punch them. <laughs> yeah. If you've yeah. got a two health enemy. Depending on the fight of the enemy, you might take the single action or the two, the double action. Mm, mm-hmm. A three health enemy, you almost certainly take, take the, the double, double action because yeah. you deal three damage off, straight off the off the hammer. Four health, well, what do you do at that point? Do you do a double action fight and then a single action to punch, or do you do the minus one combat twice to deal four damage? It's really chewy, as you say. It gets it gets kind of tricky. Yeah. I, I think with a, enough support, you know, darings, take the initiatives, overpowers, you actually don't mind the minus one combat very much. And this becomes a pretty reliable weapon. Once you've got a, a permanent stat boost down, so you've got your Gret down or your Beat Cop down or something, mm. and, and say you're putting it in a five fight, so you're in Daniela or you're in Mark, uh, then you're still fighting at five. So yeah. you've got a good chance against like three health enemies with, with yeah. a standard Chaos yeah. Bag. You probably don't mind that as much, and it's just like a nice weapon for for dealing with those smaller enemies. Mm. So the question is then, do you want to use the double action when you could just use two actions <laughs> on on like a machete, <laughs> for instance? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in that situation, you can argue that one test uh, with a higher boost is more likely to succeed than two mm. tests at a low a slightly lower value. Yeah. Yeah. It's always better, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's compressing the two tests into one. But the problem is then <laughs> let's say we've got a a three health enemy at our location. We could attack it three times with the first ability. Or mm. we've got three chances to attack it with the first ability, allowing us to fail one and then still succeed. Yeah. If we use the second one and we miss, 
then we're totally exposed. Because we can't then kill it with our last action. Which, again, feels so thematic for a sledgehammer. Like, you've put you it all into smash. one swing, and then you haven't and got miss. time to readjust once you've done that, if you miss. Yeah. The double action, there's so few things, actually, that we use that take up double actions. Like, think about the number of times you've tried to clear a basic weakness double action. And it's like, ah, but I wanted to move and also get a clue. I can't do those things. It, they're, they're such tempo hits, losing two-thirds of your turn. Yeah. And I think that's that's really what you've just been saying really encapsulates that really well. That there is a really big risk baked into taking that double action. Yeah. It almost feels like roguish that you've you've got a, the, I guess the thing the thing you criticize Sledgehammer for is that the double action doesn't offer enough overtaking the regular action twice. Mm-hmm. And in fact that does more damage. So just boost up you take take a regular weapon that does two damage and then work around mm. the restriction. But, yeah. I mean, aside from Machete, even Machete, there's a restriction on what deals the additional damage. This is no charges, single action to deal two damage. Just as much as you want, just two damage right off yeah. the bat. It's like, a, you mm-hmm. know, Knuckle Dusters is the same. Yeah. Though, of course, obviously, everyone hates Knuckle Dusters. <laughs> Knuckle Dusters doesn't give you minus one to hit either. <laughs> and it doesn't give you minus one to hit. Yeah, yeah but it also doesn't have a better fight attack attached to it either. <laughs> I think it's a really... This is why I think Sledgehammer is a really fascinating card, mm. that it actually is lots of lots of decisions to be made and gives you, the player, lots of power how you handle certain enemies if you're the kind of investigator that can wield the Sledgehammer. And it feels very sledgehammer as well, which, which I yeah. think is a real win for the card. Okay, sorry, we've talked about that a lot. Should we move on? <laughs> Let's move on. We've now got the Pocket Telescope, This is changing class completely. Seeker and Rogue, two-cost asset with an intellect icon. Item and tool traded. Free trigger, exhaust pocket telescope. Look at the revealed side of a connecting unrevealed location. Action, investigate. Investigate a revealed connecting location as if you were there. Takes up a hand slot. Yeah, this seems fine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wanting to jury-rig this, Frank. You could jury-rig this, yeah, that'd yeah, be really good. That'd be nice. Now, when we men- when we um, talked about Monterey Jack, I mentioned that maybe he has a style of play where he always wants to be moving to keep getting his, his ability to trigger, and so he might want to be collecting clues at range. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about this card at that time when I said that, but I think it fits really nicely into Jack. Obviously, those are his two factions. You know, even his Elder Sign, it's turned on if you've moved and it's not turned on if you haven't. Yeah. So you could, with this down in play, you could almost always do first action move or pathfind straight away and then grab clues that you leave behind you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can and I just think that. that's that's just really nice that he has that as an option. You could even then, if you played it in Ursula, do a very similar thing where you, you first action move as Ursula, you get to trigger an investigate action and there are no clues on the new location you've moved to, but you grab one from behind you. So you're just like looking behind her with the telescope. The telescope. <laughs> Absolutely I see wild. it behind me. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's, really, that's really neat. I was just thinking about the first ability there. Mm-hmm. So we can look at this from the point of view of playing a, uh, a, a campaign fresh, coming to it totally fresh, not knowing what yeah. the card's going to do. This might give us a bit of knowledge. 
But we've got to think about when you put these cards in your deck, you might be playing scenarios that you already know quite well. So that first ability is not going to give you necessarily give you that that kind of itch. What it mm. can do is in any situation where you have like a number of identical face down locations. Yeah. It can yeah. it can save you potentially two actions a pop. Um, moving into a location then moving back out of it in one of our earlier first looks you mentioned dunwich and the back of the clover club it, that's the that exact kind of thing i'm thinking of yeah curtain call I... has the same thing you said that about scout ahead oh that was it. Being able to move into yeah, multiple yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so curtain call has the same thing with backstage and lobby yeah. some of them have no clues and they're just a basically a waste of an action to move into them yeah, yeah. so it would help with that that's the first scenario of another campaign Forgotten Age doesn't that doesn't occur as much. But then I just thought as well, um, Dream Eaters, you've got the basement in the hospital as well. Yeah, exactly. And actually, why well, you've got all of the um the woods as well. Yeah. The different woods. So you, suddenly actually I can see the scouting potential of this card. And in Rogue, you've got a card which allows you to swap level zero cards into your deck for mm-hmm. scenarios where they might be useful. Yes. So you could this even is a level zero road card. Yeah, you could even adaptable the telescope into your deck to if you're playing one of those scenarios, if you think there's going to be a benefit from using it in those scenarios, boom, mm. just use this. It lets you look in pallid mask at the underside of all of the catacombs, doesn't it? Yeah. That's really good. That's cool. I can see it, it's a weird ability because we haven't really seen much location peaking before mm-hmm. so it's quite hard to judge whether that's something we we like but i could see it being something that you might end up using say four or five t- times in a scenario and that's that's good and actually i have just had another thought what about all of the scenarios that have multiple versions of locations and are randomized so it's not even about a choke point it's just you don't know which version say in midnight masks you don't know which version you're going to run into of Southside or downtown you can be using this to check as you get close to them if it makes a difference do we need to go here to get the resources no let's move we'll go a different way something like that i like that that's cool i think it's um yeah just it's a card that seems very simple but gets me quite excited that's the kind of (laughs) nerd i am yeah absolutely i think i'm interested to see what people do with it bro okay should we move on to the next one let's do it well, we've got another unique card. We've got Professor William Webb, affectionately known as Webbo, finder mm-hmm. of hidden connections, and he is seeker and survivor class or faction. He is a three-cost asset, has an intellect pip, and has the ally and miskatonic traits. Uses three secrets. Reaction: When you successfully investigate, exhaust Professor William Webb and spend one secret. Instead of discovering a clue at your location, either choose an item card in your discard pile and add it to your hand, or discover a clue at a connecting location. And he has uh, he's uses the ally slot, and he has one health and two sanity. Uh, pretty wild, this card. Yeah. It, it feels a bit like a card designed by the uh, the committee. The player card <laughs> All committee. the effects piled he's on. he's just got yeah. like, oh, do this thing or do this other completely different thing. <laughs> yeah, and those things are fitting for the factions that they belong to, right? The Very much so, The one is discover a clue at range, and the survivor one is scavenging. Thematically, what is he just like wandering off somewhere and coming back with a random thing he's found somewhere else? 
Yeah. Either either something you threw away or something you, you needed. Is he sitting like in a tent in well, front of a tent? Yeah, it's a weird yeah. one. Is he, it feels almost a bit demeaning for a professor. Is this what he, Maybe he's one of those people who says, his... you know, there's no evidence too too insignificant. You're there saying, oh, we don't need this coat anymore. It's like, but what if the coat is what you needed all along? <laughs> like, God William. damn it, Webbo. <laughs> <laughs> What I like is if we just look at this card in terms of the investigators in Edge of the Earth, you can take him. Mm-hmm. Daniela sadly probably doesn't make the grade with her one intellect. However, <laughs> Norman can take it. Yes. So Norman could use this ability to get get cards at range or get items back if Norman is committing items or something like that. I don't know. Monterey Jack can take William Webb. And Jack, we just talked about getting clues at range. This is exactly that if you wanted to just like the pocket telescope it's clues at range um and then also bob can take him and this is a scavenging if you don't have scavenging you would have the corset but also it's scavenging that doesn't care about how much you succeed by yeah so you can you can choose oh i've only succeeded by one so i'm going to trigger william webb or oh, I've succeeded by two. I'll trigger scavenging. I won't use William Webb. Or I'll do both and scavenge both. So I love. I love how he sort of fits in everywhere, nearly everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's fine. Uh, the, the The abilities are nice in that they do. It's quite a flexible effect. Yeah, it's nice to get a bit of recursion into Seeker. I think <laughs> you could be doing something with fingerprint kits, right? Fingerprint kits and magnifying glasses. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. When your fingerprint kit's empty, dumping it by using magnifying glasses, and then William Webb gets you your finger fingerprint kit back that you play again. That's yeah. And of course, any high-powered tomes that you you're doing that with, you could do this with as well. Get your Schofner's catalog back. Yeah. Replay your Schofner's. Shall we move on? Yes, let's move on. Next, we have. A two-cost event. Is this like our first ever multi-class event? Oh no, we re- we announced on the trail. <laughs> yes, <laughs> two-cost event. And we said that willpower then, <laughs> and agility icons. This is Rogue and Mystic. So the Dexter slash Safina split spell and trick traded. This is called Ethereal Slip. Choose a non-elite enemy at a revealed location up to two connections away. Swap places with that enemy. Now for my next trick. Interesting. The art on this like really weirded me out when I first saw it. But actually, is it a dragon coming out of his head, or like some kind of bird? It's pretty cool. I I can't tell. Is it like holding him, or is it like got ribs around it? Yeah, I thought it was his ribs, but I don't know. I think it's really, really. Is he going ethereal in that moment? Yeah, about to slip somewhere. Yeah. It's a banana skin, not not pictured. (laughs) (laughs) So this is giving you two moves at at most to a location that's already revealed, but also swapping a place with an enemy. So immediately comes to mind Doom of Esdly. And if you're in a rush to get out and you've left enemies behind you, you can ethereal slip with them and sort of leapfrog past them. Right. Okay. Is that... Is that what you're thinking? Yes. I guess you, you, what you could do is set up... You know, you always like leave the non-hunter enemies. If you're just playing mm-hmm. like a Vave or Solo, you can just be like, well, yeah. I'll leave leave that lad there. 
I don't mm. have to worry about him. This is like a, a callback to that. And you're just like, and now for my next trick, this this thing, this enemy you did, this swarm of rats. No, not swarm of rats. Um, I, don't know, I can't think of it. Non, non, yeah, ghoul minion. Yeah. That I, that I you thought um, <laughs> was gone. Suddenly, I'm now there. And it's it's where I was. That is a really nice point, actually, in solo, because one of the things you have to weigh up when you just evade an enemy is, add, is it in a choke point or can you just evade it and leave it there or is it actually going to cost you lots more actions as you keep walking back through that location and evading it again? And yeah. having ethereal slip as a way of, oh, yeah, later I'll just trade places with it and I'll I'll end up putting it really out of the way when I've gone down this this blind alley or something like that. I think something like um, Carnival as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Coming up behind one and then leaping in front of it and running off is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, pretty fascinating as a card. It does have some some limitations. The fact that the location needs to be revealed, the fact that you need an enemy. But there's some trickiness there as well. It can also... Sorry, I've just been looking at this card, marvelling. It can pull an enemy off uh, an ally, right? Or another investigator. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite a nice trick, literally. Yeah. Yeah, one way of dealing with some beefy enemy, as long as it's non-elite, is just to move away from it and then play Ethereal Slip and it's pulled off your team and dumped somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Oh, that's quite neat. And I think because it's a rogue card, it's reminding me of Elusive and the sort of the trickiness and the way that you might want to manage enemies as a rogue. You might actually want them on the table for if you're Trish to get more clues. But it's also nice that it's a mystic card and it does something a little bit strange. You can find it because it's a spell. You can make it cheaper with Robes of Endless Night. So there's quite a lot of ways that it being a spell is useful as well. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's nice. It's It's limited movement, isn't it? It's movement with an asterisk next to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think the spell and the trick traits are good as well. I like, I like both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trick opens it up to Rita, and she might very much be doing what you described with evasion. Yeah, evade an enemy, move off, later reposition it. Cool. Okay, we've got a one cost event, and this is a survivor and rogue factions. I keep swithering between class and factions. Yeah, collections. <laughs> collections. And it has a single agility pip. It has the fortune and gambit traits and says... Uh, sorry, it's called hit me. I didn't I didn't say mm. that in quotation marks, which is nice. Fast, play after you reveal a chaos token during a skill test. Reveal an additional chaos token, switching a minus to a plus. If that token is a skull token, you automatically fail. Uh, this is good fun. It's a bit like um, Sure Gamble, right? Sure Gamble, yeah. Except far less sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure Gamble, I don't see making its way into many decks. No, it's like 3 XP, right? To sure Gamble. It's 3 XP, yeah. Hard. And I, I think it's quite a counterintuitive way of playing that you take a test at 2 below and hope to pull a minus 2 or better to then swing you to however many above. Although obviously Sure Gamble now with Succeed by X has extra utility that you might, you know, turn your minus four when you're already three over into a plus four and succeed by loads. But yeah, I've played with Shogamble quite a lot. I think it's a fun card. 
but I think it's very rarely played. And this, to me, falls into that category as well. Yes. I don't know. The fact that it's zero XP makes it seem a lot more appealing than Sure Gamble, Mm. to be honest. Mm. Maybe more people will take Sure Gamble having played Hit Me. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's a shame they don't upgrade into each other. So the survivor side of this as well is fascinating, isn't it? Because this is sort of a failure tech card. Yeah. Because you could reveal a zero and be one below the threshold and then play hit me to try and reveal a a worse negative and spin yourself into a win. That's kind of cool. Or to try and hit a skull and make sure you also fail and get extractions (laughs) and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, yeah. Sorry, um, what is going on in the art, do you think? Can you can you the, see? It's an ace that's also a... A six or a... It's an ace of heart that's also a six of diamonds. It's sort of changing in that moment, And it's a picture moment, card as it? well. It's a jack as well. Yeah. It's like an ace... So if you've got king and a five, the six is going to get you to 21. The, yeah. the jack is going to fail you, and the ace is only going to put you at... Um, 16, which isn't a great score yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in uh, in Blackjack. So it's like a kind of good, not very good, really bad uh, results there. Just kind mm. of like, you know, you could draw a big positive, which would be really good. You could draw a zero, which is not going to help you at all. Or you could draw a skull, which is like the picture card, and that's going to fail you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I mean, it's worth noting... In Harder Expert, there are bigger numbers to swing, but also the later in a campaign, the more mean the symbol tokens normally get. So they also might be able to be swung into higher values as well. So it's kind of worth keeping an eye on this card in terms of how it changes things up based on difficulty, I think. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. Okay, should we move on then to the last multi-class card, the last level zero card? This, Yeah, this is our last level zero card from these first looks. Wow. Good thing there aren't any XP cards to first look. <laughs> this is Talisman of Protection, Mystic and Survivor, two-cost asset with a willpower icon. It's item and charm traded. Fast, play only during your turn. Play Talisman of Protection under the control of any investigator at your location. Reaction, when you are assigned damage and or horror that would defeat you, discard Talisman of Protection, cancel up to two of that damage and or horror, takes up the arcane slot. Uh, This is interesting, I think. It's like a very small uh, perseverance. Yeah, or a sort of delay the inevitable as well. Yeah, I do like it, I think. My issue is you've got to be so close to death for it to actually be useful. Yeah. Um, And the the thing that kills you has to just push you over the line. Yes, I guess so. I mean, the situation I can see, let's talk this through. And I think if I'm in danger of dying, I, I think maybe more often than not, it's through either damage or horror. Mm hmm. And in that situation, you can be, say, down to your last two. And even if you then take three damage or horror, that would kill Mm. you, take you one over. This will still save your life. Yeah. So it's like an extra, well, it's an extra two, two life, two, two in that stat. 
So, yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm talking myself around with it. <laughs> in terms of cards that stop you from dying, it stops you in, from dying in, in probably quite a common way to die. Yeah. So one, you take one damage, then yes, it's still going to save you. You take two, it's going to save you. you take, even if you take three, it, this card will still save you if you're two away from dying. Yeah, yeah. That way of losing a scenario is much more common than the... I think it's more common anyway than like, oh, I just took two big hits and I was out. People do talk about that situation. Oh, I got hit twice and and got eliminated. But I think more often what happens is you're slowly being chipped away at. Maybe you hit a couple of unlucky pulls that an enemy retaliates or something. And you might be like, wow, we've got three or four turns left and I'm looking. It's pretty touch and go. And historically, I think how we play is we wouldn't heal. We'd just be like, let's try and as long as I don't take a horror now, I'm going to make it out. And this talisman of protection, you could play down and sort of protect the person for that. I think it's particularly nice when you were describing that, I was thinking of Daisy with her five health. I think anyone with a five in a stat, being able to just give them this to protect them against an errant rotting remains or triple damage, triple horror situation is quite nice. I think that's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. It also takes up the arcane slot. Yeah, that that's a kind of spicy one, right? I was looking at this and could have would have sworn blind it was the accessory slot, but no, it's in the arcane slot. Two cost, fast. It's pretty cheap to put something in your arcane slot if you're thinking about that uh, meditative <laughs> trance or yeah, dragon that, pole. Tra- dragon pole, yeah. I feel like for. I mean, the other thing is that other people could be running this to fill your arcane slots. <laughs> I say. I feel like, you know, this is nice to like, there's this skater, I don't know whether you've, uh, you've played him, um, Roland Banks. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he's only got five. That's what I meant about the low sanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. I was looking at this card thinking, it's great for someone who's playing with Roland to play this. <laughs> yeah, just give him a, a talisman of protection. What's the... And of course, it could be played by Calm. Yeah, what's the mystic flavor of this cancelling damage and horror or is that i feel like that's more in the survivor color pool yeah maybe is it just having an item and a charm it's like stopping something mystical. from killing you that's like you've got lots of the cancellation in um yeah mystic haven't you i guess i guess the fact it takes the arcane slot as well yeah, it takes the arcane slot it's not unique either so just have two sitting there <laughs> yeah go dragon pole crazy yeah that's nice it reminds me a little bit of solemn vow as well where you're sort of handing things out to the team to protect them. So maybe, you know, like um, that's the Tommy Muldoon style. He's sort of got a deck full of things that are just going to soak for the team and protect the team. Deck slots are really tight, so it might be quite hard to justify putting this in. But yeah, it's nice. Ah, other thing that's awesome about this, final thing, Synergy. This is a mystic survivor card that you can pass to anyone and that sits in play and won't necessarily leave play. So yeah. it gives them access to two more classes if they're not those classes. I think that is actually quite important. You hand this to a rogue and suddenly they're sitting on triple class for synergy from this one card for two costs and not even an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is nice. In a slot good. they're not using. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's tasty. I like it. Yeah, turn on your Roland Bank synergy. You've just given him two glasses he doesn't have access to. Okay, we got there in the end. I'm quite pleased they thought of that right at the end. That's quite nice. Yeah. 
Sorry to all the listeners who are screaming at their devices for us to get there. Handing out... I think that's right, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's, yeah, it's, and you play a, it under a, the control of any investigator. Yeah, so they, it's, yeah, it's a nice enough effect. But I think you're right. I think it's it's a, just a hidden benefit to it that it, it will yeah. boost up your synergy. synergy. That is all the good cards at level zero done. Yes. However, we have four basic weaknesses that come in this box. Do you want to read us one, Peter? Yeah, I'm wondering whether we should just... Should we read them all? Yeah. Together. Um, should we alternate? Let's I'll, alternate. I'll go yeah. first. Okay, first of all, we have arm injury. This is a basic weakness and it's an injury, obviously. <laughs> it has a revelation. Put arm injury into play in your threat area. Arm injury can be healed as if it were a single point of damage on you. If it is healed, discard it. Forced, after you take a fight or activate action... You cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. Next, we have leg injury. It's also injury traded. Revelation put it into play in your threat area. Leg injury can be healed as if it were a single point of damage on you. If it is healed, discard it. Forced after you take a move, resign or evade action. You cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. Then we've got panic, which is a basic weakness and it's badness traded. Revelation, put panic into play in your threat area. Panic could be healed as if it were a single point of horror on you. If it is healed, discard it. Forced, after you take a play, engage or resource action, you cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. Finally, we have stupor, also madness traded, also goes into play in your threat area, also can be healed as if it were a single point of horror. And its forced effect is after you take a parlay, draw or investigate action, you cannot take any of those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. So two that behave like they're a point of damage, two that behave like they're a point of horror, all of them are got rid of in the same way, just healing yourself, and a load of different actions locked down by them. <laughs> yes. No, I think what's really interesting is that they they encourage healing in your decks. And we had a conversation about these earlier, which was mm. that... Uh, it's often difficult to justify healing um, when you could take soak instead. Mm-hmm. Because typically soak is just, it's more efficient in terms of resources. It often has something which has soak on it, also has other abilities that help you. Um, you mm-hmm. don't need to wait till after you've taken the damage. You can just play it whenever you want. It's not therefore a tempo hit when you're already probably in a bad situation. There's a lot of benefits to using something that can soak more damage over something that heals you from having yeah. been dealt damage. These, obviously, encourage you to have a way to heal them off you, uh, or you're stuck with the effects. Yeah, yeah. So it could almost certainly be worth looking at the investigators and seeing what access each faction has, or each investigator mm. has, to, to various healing effects. And the other thing I thought in terms of impact is if you're playing and you don't know what your basic weakness is yet, taking a single healing card potentially one that can heal both so that you know that if any of you in your party draws one of these cards you have a way of healing and dealing with it is pretty good and then if you draw your basic weaknesses and don't get anything you upgrade that card into something else and i mean deck slots are tight but running a singleton healing card to ward against these is to my mind not too bad an idea although now that the basic weakness pool is so gigantic it's quite possible you don't draw these the the other thing is that they can be played around yes i think arm injury is maybe the scariest because taking a fight or an activate and not being able to do that anymore 
means if you have arm injury and you're a fighter, but also if you have arm injury and you're doing anything activating any assets like your lock picks or your fingerprint kits. But then again, if you're like Amanda... You never activate anything. You yeah. never fight anything. Yeah, you might mean suppose yeah, you might fight it's stuff. And yeah, remember, you yeah. can still you can still do each of the actions once. The thing that yeah. caught me out when I was first reading these is it's if you take any one of the actions, you can't do any of the lot of them. Because I saw the one that had resign on it, and I was like, well, who's going to resign twice in a turn? But no, if yeah. you if you move, you can't then resign, which is or evade. Yeah, yes, which is probably so that means a bit more tricky. The legendary <laughs> is pretty pretty nasty because that classic ending of a scenario: move, evade resign. the enemy, move, resign. Yeah, whatever it is. I'm going to drag the enemy with me, and then I'll, I'll then I'll resign. Right Doesn't leg injury is pretty mean. I think I would say leg injury is meaner than arm injury, certainly for solo. Panic, when you play engage or resource action, you cannot take any of those abilities, uh, those types of actions for the remainder of the turn. I mean, that shuts down anything like take a resource, play this important card. Yeah. Take a resource, play this resource card, that sort of thing. It also stops you doing engage and then play your one-two punch or engage and then play some other, you know, fight action, which is um, pretty crazy. I think what this is reminding me as well is that play, activate and fight or play, activate and then all the basic actions can all overlap because, you know, when you attack with the machete, that's an activate action that's also a fight action. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of wild. And then stupor, parlay, draw or investigate. I mean, like, if you're a fighter, then this, you know, it could just be stupefied and um, fight and enemies off, it. right? You don't, you, you, don't, yeah. you don't care too much. Mm. But there might be some scenarios where that parlay restriction just absolutely shafts you, right? You're trying the to get... The last king, Pete, right? Peter you're talking out. to all the guests. Yeah, or trying yeah. to get Peter out of the club. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. once a turn, you're both, you're both stupefied. <laughs> There's, there's a fair bit of parlaying in the beginning of Innsmouth as well, parlaying your way around Innsmouth to find out who the suspect is. It's a parlay action to search through the the leads deck. Yeah. Yeah, that could be really nasty. Although that's, I think, limit once per round, so that's not so bad. Yeah, so I think, essentially, I think the idea that you need healing to get rid of these rather than anything else is a really fascinating one. I'm really glad it's in the game. That's mm-hmm. kind of my headline thought about these. Yeah. I don't think any of them are making me think, oh my goodness, they're overzealous or through the gates level of scary. But they still could be pretty nasty. And I imagine they could take some scenarios where you're doing well and suddenly make them seem like you're doing really badly if you're suddenly locked down. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost weirdly like um, uh, Frozen in Fear, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You're thinking yeah. about you can't take those actions twice a turn. Because you're just suddenly sucking up actions. So great to dip our toe for the first time into multi-class. A really nice little seven level zero cards there, I think. Some really intriguing ones. And cool to see the weaknesses. And that concludes us first looking all the level zero cards from Edge of the Earth investigation Investigator expansion for players. And yeah, we're going to then dive into XP. We'll probably take a little bit of a break before that reaches your ears, listeners. So don't be surprised if it's not coming straight away. Do we want to drop any hints about what we're doing for the second looks? Mm, not, not quite the same format as this. I don't know if we want to say anything else. No, I'm, I'm fine yeah. not saying anything else. Just keep keep your ears strapped in and... Um, we'll... Ears strapped in, yeah. Your ears peeled. 
So yeah, we really hope you've enjoyed these first looks. As ever, let us know what you think. There are always going to be things we've missed because it's just our first looks. But if that provokes you to come up with an idea, that would be brilliant. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks all.